0: Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Join me as we head into service. Hello, New Covenant family. So good to come into your homes once again as we continue our series on faith. It is the will of God that we earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And I want to... Be a little bit provocative today with the title of the message, which is a question. And the question is, when is little faith, no faith? When is little faith, no faith? Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for watching over your word. Let there be a performance today. Touch the hearts of your people. Infuse many with faith. I pray for everyone who has little faith right now, even as a mustard seed, that it would grow, and it would grow and become a great tree of faith. Father, we acknowledge your power. We want to see your glory. Let your words speak now clearly to your people. Inspire, encourage, save, deliver, and set free. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take our text today from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 35 through 41. Mark 4 and 35 reads, On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher. Do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want to read one other verse in Matthew so that we can put this together. It's One verse is found in Matthew, the 8th chapter, verse 26. It's the same story, and it reads, But he said to them, Why are you fearful? O you of little faith! Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, And there was a great calm. When you read the account of Mark, and then you read the account of Matthew, if you just focus on the verbiage, it appears to be a contradiction. Because Mark writes, why is it that you have no faith? And Matthew records O ye of little faith. Both observed the same thing, but they took away a little different verbiage. The the book of Mark is the shortest of all the Gospels. It's one of the synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic. The stories are the same. John is different, but when you look at all four, the shortest, the fewest words are in Mark. But in Mark, there are more miracles recorded in Mark than any other of the Gospels. And part of the reason is Mark doesn't talk about the immaculate birth, the virgin birth. He doesn't talk about genealogy, which Matthew does. He, it begins with the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It focuses on the ministry of Jesus. It digs into the gospel and the works that he wrought in the earth. And so theologically, they're different. They have a different focus. So how do we account for the different verbiage between Matthew and Mark? Well, let let me begin by saying this. Fear has an effect on us. And both of them talked about fear, Matthew and Mark. And Mark says, Jesus said, why are you so fearful? And it goes on to say they were exceedingly fearful. Fear impacts our central nervous system. It it gives you a type of dysfunction, and immobility that in some cases, when someone is really afraid, it can paralyze you. You can't communicate, you can't, everything shuts down. As a, a former athlete, one of the things that I know is that when you to have butterflies is natural, whether you're speaking to an audience or whether you're performing in front of people in the sports arena. But that goes away when you begin whatever it is that you start, or it should. If it hovers, it will impact you in a way that you can't do what you ordinarily could do. And so fear and faith are enemies. They they drive one another out. Fear and faith are like light and darkness. They don't coexist. This was Mark's theology. Mark's theology was that if fear is present, faith is absent. If faith is present, does that make fear absent? Well, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. But faith gives you the kind of confidence in God that allows fear to be suppressed, love casts it out, but faith makes it of no effect. It doesn't make you dysfunctional. It doesn't cause what happened to them, and that is panic. Matthew's theology was a little different. It is that I could be a person of great faith But when fear comes in, it reduces it to little faith. It doesn't go, it doesn't totally take it away. There is just a little bit. Theologically today, we're going to take up the mantle of Mark. There is broad consensus among scholars that the first gospel that was written was Mark's. And that Luke and Matthew, the writers of the other synoptic gospels, use Mark as a reference. So the account that Mark has was the first. And then their theology was slightly different. So the, the stories were the same, but the verbiage slightly different. And as I mentioned, Mark and Luke talk about the virgin birth, et cetera. So there are some things that are That set them apart, but for the most part, they're synoptic. I have had occasion to see an event at the same time as another person sees the same event, and the interpretation is different. I'm dealing with now this seeming contradiction. I think this is important for everyone to understand. That theology, a difference in theology is not a contradiction, but a difference in verbiage can be interpreted as a contradiction. I just want to make certain that we clear that up. So I want to tell some practical life stories. I I had a friend growing up who we were playing softball and he had a day where he did not get on base, not once. Not once. And my brother and I said to him, you can't hit. You didn't get a hit. And he said, no, no, no. I know I can hit because I, and to him, getting a hit was making contact. So he hit foul balls. He hit tip balls. And to him, I hit. I got a hit. I know I can hit. At least I know I can hit this picture. We saw something totally different, because our measure of a hit was getting on base. All eyewitnesses, same thing, but we took away something different. And that's what I mean about the theological difference. Mark says, if you have fear present, faith goes out. It's like light and darkness. Matthew says, I can have my faith diminished, but it's still there. It might be hiding. It might be in a back room in my spirit, but it's still there. Doesn't matter where you fall on the spectrum. That isn't the point. But for clarity of the message, I wanted to bring that out uh, foundationally. Another thing that we need to wrestle with is how can we, as Followers of Jesus Christ hold on to our faith in such a way that we're able in the storms of life not to panic. Panic is is the fruit of fear. It makes you feel out of control. It takes away your ability to act in a way that allows you to walk in faith. And it also impacts those around you. Let me tell you another story. There was a person who a few years back asked if they could use my name for an interview. We used to work at the same company and this person was a star. And although I'd never worked directly with them, I knew of them. And a friend of mine from that same company who was the president of the division that this person worked for wrote me a long note. He's he's in Seattle, living on his houseboat, retired, but he thought enough of this person to send something to me so that I would have the confidence to lend my name to this person. And so I knew of that person's performance. I have respect of the, for the individual who communicated. And I said yes. And I told HR, when this person comes in the building to interview, bring them to my office. So they escorted the person up. And the person sensed that if I could just use his name, this is going to help me because he has influence in the company. So they brought the person in. I greeted them. And I have never been so uncomfortable talking to a person because this person had fear grip them so much that they were beyond afraid. They were scared. And there were three of us in the room, the HR person who brought them, me, who was standing as a friend, as a supporter, And this person, they could not say two words, stammering lips, physically shaking, and there was no pressure. And then I realized later, actually, I knew this when they came, but I didn't expect this manifestation. This person had been out of work for two years, had two mortgages really needed this job, and it was a good job, good pay, something that the person was qualified for, and that fear gripped this person. And so I tried my best to calm the the person down before they went and interviewed because I knew if this person presents this way, there is no chance and there's nothing I could do to save that person. So I spent time, I tried to calm them down, got a little better, but fear had gripped this person. So this star, this person who had a record on wonderful resume who had performed because they had been rejected, I'm assuming multiple times, and was out of work for two years, with a couple of mortgages, panicked. And the panic caused dysfunction. And the dysfunction made the person unattractive. And so when Jesus said, peace, be still, and the Bible says, calm, Cain, the Lord is trying to tell us that whatever storm arises in your life You need to know how to be still. You need to know how to bring calm to the situation. If you are a leader, you definitely need to know how to do that because the people who follow you are going to follow your lead. And all 12 of them panicked. Jesus was asleep on a pillow. And they, what caused them to panic? How can we hold on to our faith? What can we learn from their experience so that this doesn't become our experience? So it's not just a saying, keep the faith. It is what we do. We keep the faith. You've got to hold on to it because fear comes to knock faith out, to push faith out. You, in order to keep the faith, you got to keep your wits about you. You've got to stay calm. There are three things I want to impart today. The first is we should always believe and receive the word of God. Before the storm arose and before fear entered in, they received the word from the Lord. He said, let us cross over to the other side. And I want you to know, if Jesus said, let's cross over to the other side, you're going to get there. I don't care how much the thunder rolls. I don't care how much the wind blows. I don't care how dark it gets. Nahum said it this way, that our God has his way in the whirlwind and the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. It doesn't matter how bad the sea rolls. It doesn't matter how high the billows go. It doesn't matter how dark it gets. It doesn't matter how loud the thunder claps. Our God has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. He can speak to the sea. He can speak to the waves. He can speak to the wind and say, be still. If you and I are going to walk by faith, if you and I are going to keep the faith, we've got to know how to quiet our spirit. We have to know how to calm our spirit. And when circumstances are rough, we've got to know how to say to ourselves, peace, be still, so that faith can abide and fear can flee. For the children of God, we send fear away. And we have two weapons, love and faith. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear and faith can't abide together. Today, we're going with the theology of Mark. Fear and faith cannot abide together. And so if I'm going to operate in faith, I've got to know how to manage fear. When I was a young manager, First managerial job, we had a product, which was our flagship product. And at the time I was responsible for 10 people. And this principle is true, whether it's 10 people or 10,000. And we had a competitive advantage that gave us a really nice position in the marketplace. And we lost that competitive advantage. All of our messaging, all of our communication was based on that. And I remember my boss called me on a Friday. And I was beside myself. And I didn't even realize how panicked I was until he spoke very softly and said, what's wrong? Very calmly. And it calmed me down. And then he started to talk about what we were going to do. And I'm telling you, I was embarrassed. Because I'm like, I call myself a leader. And I was like a swimmer who was drowning, about to drown the person who was trying to save me. I had a death grip. And I didn't know it. But I learned a lesson from that day that never left me that no matter what, don't panic. Because when you panic, you lose your bearings. When you panic, you lose control of your CNS. Your central nervous system takes over you. The best elite athletes in the world are those who best control their CNS because they don't get too high or too low. It doesn't matter how many bad things happen, They stay steady. But people who are erratic, faith up, faith down, faith in, faith out. So the first thing is believe and receive the word of God. And know that if God said it, it doesn't matter how it looks, it's going to happen. The storm is up, but Jesus said, we're going to the other side. We're getting to the other side. Let the master sleep. Now, if we were to take Mark's, Matthew's theology, he would say, well, the evidence that there was little faith is that they ran to Jesus. They went and sought help. They weren't paralyzed. They went and asked, Master. But when they came, the grip of fear and panic was evident. It was evident because... The Bible says, and they feared exceedingly. And they began to talk to one another. So what was on one now is being shed abroad to the others. And they asked him a question. Master, don't you care that we're perishing? The thing that you need to always remember and don't ever forget is that he cares for you. That's why we cast our cares on him, because he cares for us. In a panic state, they went and they said, Lord, it wasn't an affirmative question. It was, Lord, don't you care that we perish? You need to do something. We're about to die. And Jesus calmly got up. Why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith? And then he spoke to the elements. But they, in their panic, they lost sight of the fact that, A, he had spoken a word that, was, that, would, that went before them to take them on the other side. Because the word of God goes before us. His word is prophetic. And if it comes out of his mouth, it's coming to pass. If it comes out of his mouth, it's coming to pass. It is going to be just as it was spoken. And then they they thought in their panic that, Lord, the fact that you're asleep, you don't care. They should have read what David said. He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He might have been, his flesh might have been tired, but he was aware. He was aware there was nothing going to happen to them while Jesus was on the ship. When Jesus is with you, it is well. There's nothing that he can't cover. He's got it covered. The wind and the sea has to obey his voice. Peace, be still. Somebody say, peace, be still. There's some storms raging in your life. You ought to say, peace, be still. Because there's nothing that can harm you when you are with the master. The master has a plan for you. Nothing is going to come your way that he doesn't allow. And whatever comes your way, this was a lesson for the disciples. It was to cause them to know more intimately who Jesus was. And that's the third point. The third thing that we must do to hold on to our faith is to know who Jesus is. They said, how can this be? After they saw it, they went to him saying, Master, don't you care that we perish? They wanted him to do something. But when he did what he did, when he worked what he worked, they said, how can this be? We weren't expecting this, that even the wind and the sea obey him. Now, they're talking to one another. When they were panicked, they talked to each other. Now, everything around them is calm. They're still unsettled because they're like, how in the world can What manner of man is this? Who? is this. They had been with him, they had watched him do miracles, but they were shocked at what he was able to do. And so it's important that we know him intimately, so that we know the power of God, so that we know that our God is without limit that nothing he does will surprise us so that there would no longer be in our vocabulary, in our vernacular, in our lexicon of words, that's unbelievable. Because whatever he does, believe it. It might be beyond your imagination. It might be on what you can grasp, but he's able. We need to know that he is able because that's what faith does. Our faith looks up to thee, O Lamb of Calvary. We know that there's nothing hard for you. You're able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that's working in us. Let the power of God work in you today. Let the power of God be released so that the storms that come up in your life, you'll be able to say with authority, peace, be still and that will have to obey you. I hear the Lord saying that if you have the faith of just a mustard seed, you can speak to a mountain, and that mountain has to move. So it's not about big faith or small faith. It's about faith, and wherever faith abides, there's authority in your mouth. You can speak to the mountain. You can speak to the wind. You can speak to the circumstances in your life, You can speak to others. You can speak into the life of others. You can impart things that cause people who are down to be lifted up. Don't let fear choke out your faith. Peace be still. You need to know the power of God. I want to declare unto you today that our God is mighty. Our God is strong. Our God is powerful. There's nothing that is hard for him. He's able, he's able to do it. He's able to keep his word. If Jesus said, let us go to the other side, don't be fearful, go. It doesn't matter what happens on the way there. Know that you're going to get there because Jesus said, let us go to the other side. And these disciples, they marveled even though they saw him feed the 5,000, this was different because they were in the middle of a natural disaster and they knew the power of nature. They saw how the winds were blowing. The Bible says that the boat was already filling. So they're not far from shore And they're already taking on water. So based on what they see, if this continues, we're going to sink. If this continues, we're going down. And if we go down, we're going to drown. We're too far from the shore. There are no lifeboats. There were little boats around them. What do you think the little boats where Jesus wasn't there. Think about the little boats that the Bible talks about that were around them. They couldn't go to the master. What happened to them? Well, the text doesn't tell us, but I can tell you this. When Jesus spoke to the winds and the waves, it calmed the sea for them also. I want to speak to somebody who might feel like You're not close to Jesus, or he's not close to you. You can't just go down in the stern. You are on the sea in a little boat. I want you to know that his word has such power that the calm that he speaks will cause you also to benefit from that. All you need to do is be around his word. If you are around his word, you will sense the power of his presence. There was 12 of them who were in the boat with him. But there were, the numbers of the people in the little boats doesn't even tell us. But they also were impacted by the power of God. I want you to know that where the, the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the power of his word is released, those who are around it will benefit. That's why we want to be carriers. Of the word of God, because it releases those who are in trouble. And when they cry out, they think he can't hear them. They were in another boat. The wind is blowing so hard, they probably couldn't even hear each other. They didn't have a stern because their boat was smaller. So when they're taking on water, it's more desperate. But Jesus got up and he spoke to the wind. And the sea calm and the wind cease. I want to speak to you today, those of you who have individuals watching you when they're in the storm. And for some of you, you're in it together and it's happening right now. And God wants to encourage you because you're going to be the salvation of of many, When Paul was on the sea, shipwrecked, hadn't seen the sun for 14 days, he warned them not to go, but they went anyway. He said, I perceive danger. For some of you who've given advice to people and they ignored your advice, but now they're in trouble. And you're going along for the ride. Even though Paul warned them and they went anyway, he was on the ship with them. And after two weeks of tumultuous storm, of not seeing the sun, the Bible says, Paul realized that he was getting weak and they were getting weak. They had been throwing stuff off the ship because they were taking on water. And they didn't want to sink. And Paul said, men and brethren, eat. Eat. You need to eat. And as Paul said that, they were so fearful and so afraid that they didn't eat. And then Paul took the next step. He said, I want you to know that this night, The angel of the Lord stood by me and he said, Paul, I've given everyone on this ship to you and no life shall be lost. Only stay on the ship. And when you panic and you want to get out of harm's way, you think about jumping overboard, especially if you see land. But Paul said, I've got confidence because the word of the Lord came to me tonight. And then Paul said, it shall be, even as it was spoken unto me. There was fear all around, but Paul was infused with faith because he received the word of God from a messenger sent from heaven. Paul was infused with faith. The people still had fear. Do you know what it took To change them and cause them to eat. The Bible says Paul took bread, he took some food, and he blessed it, and then he started to eat. When he started to eat, even though the storm was still raging, they started to eat. What's the message? When people see you calm in the storm, when people see you, showing faith, demonstrating faith, not just talking faith. Paul let them know the word that he received from God, but that word wasn't enough. It wasn't until he started walking by faith. It wasn't until he took it, prayed, and ate that they got confidence. God is saying somebody is going to be infused in faith by what they see in you. Beloved, don't panic. Beloved, listen, hear the word of God, just like Paul did, and receive it. But don't panic. And then know the power of God. Paul knew the power of God. When God said, stay on the ship, no life is going to be lost. I've given them to you, Paul, but stay on the ship. When they saw land, there was no panic. Paul said, I'm going to obey the word of God. It shall be even as it was spoken unto me. And so as they kept lightening the load, when they got closer and the ship began to break apart, they were able to get onto the island. And for those same people who didn't regard what Paul said before, they get on this island with barbarians and they're warming by the fire and a venomous beast comes up and bites Paul, and Paul shakes it off. Not only did they learn something by going through the storm and watching Paul's faith, they learned something about the power of God because the Bible says when they thought Paul should have been swollen or fallen dead, he just shook it off, and everything was all right, and they saw the power of God. May the power of God be manifested in your life. May you go through the wind and the storm and everybody who's on the boat with you, everybody who's going through this thing with you, may they see your faith and may they be encouraged and may they not panic. May they be calm because they see your demonstration of faith and everything that comes against you, may you shake it off. May you shake it off. When does little faith become no faith? It's when we allow fear to grip us. It's when we allow fear to overtake us. Pick up your weapons today, new covenant, love to cast it out, and faith not to let it in. See, love is what you need to use when fear is in because love casts it out. When faith is there, fear can't even come in. There's no room. There's no room. When a light is on in a room, darkness can't come in. Darkness can only enter when the light goes off. Fear can only enter when faith is not active. When faith is active, fear can't come in no more than darkness can enter light. Today, I sense by the spirit of God that somebody, somebody is going to go through the storm with joy because of this word, because of this word that's been spoken unto you. I want you to say in your spirit that it shall be unto me, even as it was spoken so that faith can well up in you, so that you will be in control and not lose control. And when I say be in control, I'm not talking about apart from God. This is how we let go and let God. We don't want to be paralyzed so that even if we have a person who's willing to loan their influence to help us, we're so gripped by fear like the story of the person that I talked about that you can't even help them. A person who's drowning, lifeguards are taught, if they get the death grip, you have to knock them out because if they're panicked and their conscience, you both will go down. And what happened that allowed the fear to spread is that they talked to one another in a panic state. May there be someone who will be like Jesus in the midst of every circle that you travel that will have the presence of mind to say, peace, be still, to be calm when we're losing it. May this be so for you. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May the Lord bless your seed unto a thousand generations. May you always know and never forget that he's with you and he is for you. May you never have to ask the question that the disciples ask. Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? May that question never enter your mind. May you know that he, he's for you, he's with you, and that he will never leave you nor forsake you. May the power of God rest upon your house today and forevermore. Keep